0: I know I told you last week that it was cooling down, that fall was near. Well, I jumped the gun. It's been hot again, and we've had no rain for 10 days. Well, you know Mama and Razzie have their own barn and pasture. I rent it from my friend Clifton Buckner. He has a couple of big tractors. And before Razzie moved in, when I was painting the barn, Clifton bought some new rear tires for one of his tractors. He asked me, do you want to make a planter out of one of those tires? You can put it right outside the barn. It look nice. Now, the way he asked it, I-, I knew he wanted me to say yes. So I did. Sure, Clifton. Yeah. So we find a spot for the tire, set it there, and I start hauling in dirt in the back of the mule. Do you know how much dirt fills one of those tractor tires? A lot of dirt. So I hauled four loads, and I fertilized it, and I planted some violas. I thought it looked pretty good. For a while, it did. And then uh, it gets hot, and it gets dry. They lose their flowers. They turn to seed. I look over at that tire last week, and, man, it looks pitiful. It's not like a garden. It's more like a desert. So this Sunday, I get up. I wake up Sammy early. Hey, Sam, I have a question. Do you want to go for a ride? Oh, my. Of course, what dog doesn't want to go for a ride in a car? That's Sammy's favorite pastime. So we head out. I drive to Lowe's. It's before 8 o'clock, before the store's even open. And you know the best thing about Lowe's is? They welcome your dog, too. Hey. They're even happier to see Sammy than they are me. Sammy loves it in there. So many different things to see. New smells, lots of holes and corners to sniff in, look in. I always spend twice or three times as much time with her as I would on my own. And she makes friends and she explores. So we buy three pots of chrysanthemums, load them up and drive home. And I put them in the back of the mule with a shovel, and I take them with me when I head out to milk Mama. So I finish with her, and I give the girls their treats, their carrot sticks, and I go out to plant these mums. Now those goats can see me, and they're so unhappy that they can't be a part of this activity. They run around hollering and bleeding, as only goats will, and I say, girls, chill out. I'm just making your place look better. You know, we have guests coming this week, and it needs to look spiffy. So my hands are all dirty from digging in there and planting those flowers. And I walk over the barn, and I borrow Mama's Bar of Soap, Fields of Provence. I wash my hands. Hey, she doesn't mind a bit. I take it back. So thanks to Anishira for sponsoring these podcasts. They make it possible for me to write, narrate, and publish them. Thank you for buying our luxurious soaps. Have you tried Fields of Provence? Perfect for this time of year. Okay, I have a story I want to share with you about a period of my life in Southern California, land of movie stars and rock and roll. Ernie Johnson, founder of Anashira. You know, I was in the rent-a-car business for years, and when you're in that business at an upper level, you take people out for dinners a lot, and you drink lots of wine, and you're out late, and you're up early. It's not a healthy lifestyle at all. And all of a sudden, I'm living in Southern California. And, uh, you know, when I was in high school, running track and field... I weighed about 135, and I look at myself, and oh man, I was weighing 180 pounds, I wasn't an inch taller, and I didn't have any more muscles, so I'm living in Palos Verdes, you know, it's up on the top of this big hill, and it, the place itself is hilly, so I say, I gotta do something different, I gotta start getting exercise, I gotta work out, so I start walking at nights after work, up and down these hills. And I'm wearing, you remember those Sony Walkman? I got my tunes on cassettes and I'm walking. But I'm not noticing any difference. I'm not noticing any improvement. So I buy these ankle weights, you know. You can tape them on your ankles, make you work harder. All right, I'm out walking. I'm huffing and puffing. I'm walking. Man, I don't notice any improvements. And I'm complaining. I'm whining around. And I got a birthday. So Maria, my ex-wife, goes out and she buys me a great present. Man, it was an excellent present. She buys me a racing bike. It's a Bianchi. And she buys me... She found this guy in town who had a store. And he was from Colombia. So she sets me all up. I got bike shoes that you strap into the cleats on the bike. I got shorts. You know those things with chamois. I got this shirt that sticks to my body, some cycling shirt. I got gloves. Man, I so I put all these clothes on. I feel like I look at myself in the mirror. It's not a real pleasant sight. But I get on this bike, and off I go. Top of the hill, downhill. I ride down to Torrance. It's a town right next to Palos Verdes. Man, that's great. I'm zooming along the wind in my hair. I'm thinking, this is great. I love it. And I turn around. I got to ride back uphill. And let me tell you, this was one of the hardest things I ever did. I had no idea what I was doing. You know, when I was a kid, I had a bike. Yeah, my dad bought me some used bike. It was one of those one speed things. It had big metal bars. I swear this thing must have weighed 35 pounds. In junior high, I rode it from my house to school two miles every day on my book strapped on the back. And I rode home in the rain, in the sun. But I hadn't done that for a number of years. So I'm going back up this hill. I'm laboring. Man, it takes me about 45 minutes to get home. I get home. I fall off this sink. I get into bed and I'm laying on this bed for two hours. I can't move. Whew. So I realized I got some work to do. So I start training. I'm getting up early in the morning and I'm taking these rides. I go down to the shopping center near us. I do a couple laps. I ride home. And Maria, my ex-wife, says, you should go down and meet Fabio. He'll give you some hints. So I do it. I drive down there and I meet this guy, Fabio Parra. Now, he was an ex-Olympic cyclist. He rode for Colombia and he's a pretty nice guy. So he says, yeah, come ride with us. You'll get better. Yeah, they'll help you out. We meet every uh, Sunday morning, 8 o'clock. We leave. So see you down here. We, we re- leave right out of this parking lot. All right. So I'm down there Sunday morning. I drive in. Now, I had a company car. It was a big Cadillac Coupe DeVille. You remember those things? And I just stuck my bike in the back seat, plenty of room. So I ride down here, all these people, they seem to know what they're doing. Here I get in and I pull my bicycle out of a Cadillac. None of them did that. And uh, I'm getting myself hooked up, get my foot in and strap my foot in there. And eight o'clock, off we go. So we ride out of the parking lot, turn right, go down to this first signal on Torrance Avenue. Stop. Uh oh. I can't get my foot out of the out of the can't get my foot out of that strap. Bam, I fall over right in front of everybody, in front of all this traffic. These people look at me like I'm some alien. No one knows me. I'm trying to get out, I'm trying to get up. That light turns green, they're gone. Well, first experience in a group bike ride. So I keep working at it. I get back there next week. Nobody looks at me. Nobody talks to me. I get hooked up. We get to the signal. Holy moly, I ride through it. I don't fall off. Now, Fabio said, now they start off easy. It's a warm-up ride the first couple of miles. And it was not a warm-up ride to me. They're moving. I make it one block. I make it two blocks. I'm out of wind. They're gone. (sighs) I ride back alone. So next week, I'm back. No one looks at me. No one talks to me. I get through the signal. I don't fall off. I make it, man, I make it a mile. They're gone. So I continue. I ride alone. I turn around. I ride back. Next week, I'm not quitting this. These sons of guns, I am not going to quit. This ride gets harder. And uh, Fabio's there in the next week. And they're not riding around the peninsula anymore. They decide to take the Pacific Coast Highway Uh, You'll hear me call it PCH because no one in California calls it the Pacific Coast Highway. So they ride up PCH. It's right along the ocean. It's beautiful. You ride next to Malibu. All these movie stars live in there. It's a gorgeous ride. But it's harder than hell because it's hilly. There's no flat part of PCH. It's all up and down and up and down. So we head out. And man, it doesn't take me more than about two miles and I'm dropped and Fabio's riding along and he looks at me and he stays back with me he says Ernesto I gotta help you I can help you ride better he says let's meet Saturday down here at the parking lot we'll go for a ride so we do that he takes me out he teaches me how to pedal how to use my gears how to climb how to use my body weight efficiently how to drink Uh, and I start improving and we're doing this every week and every week I'm getting a little further five miles ten miles but I never stay with these guys 15 miles they drop me in there flying down this highway Man, I'm beat I drive home alone I ride home alone every week and slowly I get better and I'm riding during the week three days a week I'm riding at nights when possible and one day, you no, know, it's they're riding up to uh, Oxnard. And that's about 55, 60 miles. So it's a long ride. It's over 100 miles there and back. So one day I get about, oh, I'm, a, I'm with them about 45 miles before I peter out. I turn around, I'm riding home, huffing and puffing. And for the first time, they come up behind me. They'd hit, hit it, turn around, and they come back. Now... It had been about four weeks before this. We're out riding. And uh, this guy rides up next to me one day and he says, Hey, how you doing? I look over at him. I'm thinking, What? You see me? And I say, What? You're finally talking to me? I've been riding here for weeks and you guys act like I'm some ghost. And then I realize, Hey, that's pretty crappy, Ernie. So I say, Yeah, yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, I'm doing all right. He looks at me and he rides off. Next week, we're riding. He comes up next to me, same guy. He says, all right, let's start this over. My name is Ross Freed. I said, yeah, okay. Yeah, Ross, I'm Ernest. He says, hang in there. You're making progress. Don't quit on us. And off he goes. So after that, like every week, one or two new people would come up and they'd say a word, "Hello, hey, hello." Was everything, man? I'd been like alone in another world for weeks. So these guys come up behind me, and we ride home, and they're pushing me, they're helping me stay with them, and we get home. So I find out of of about oh, there may be twenty or thirty people on these rides. There are six to ten of them every week who are amateur racers. I mean, they're good. They use this as a training ride. And they're fit and they're young. They're in their 20s. There are three Mexicans that came up uh, to ride and Fabio gave them a job in his store just so they could live. And they were racing amateur hoping for some shot at a professional team. You know, So we're riding together every week and we talk a little bit and every everyone has their own story as you know there's one kid he's maybe uh 22 years old his name is joe benettina and uh i find out he's the son of a guy i went to high school with a guy named alan benettina now alan was a tough guy in high school you did not mess with alan benettina you wanted him as your friend and uh he graduates from high school. And he signed up. He went to Vietnam and he was severely injured there. He came back with a metal plate in his head. Poor guy. So that's a story of Joe. So we're riding together and Fabio says to us one day, you know, we should all ride this thing. It's called the California Land Rush. Yeah, what's that? Well, it's not a race. It's just a bunch of people get together and they ride it it's kind of fun well what is it well it's a ride from san francisco to la to lax it's a good challenge it'll make us work harder yeah how far is that fabio well it's about 100 miles what it's about 100 miles fabio speak up it's about 430 miles oh 430 miles so how long does this take a week No, it takes two days. What? Are you crazy? Two days? Two hundred and fifteen miles a day? You're crazy, Fabio. No way. That ain't gonna happen. So they'll give you something to train for. You can do it. Yeah. So there were about ten of us. We never missed a training ride. We weren't that great. I mean we were getting better. But I never intended to do that great california land rush as they called it but my buddies they all sign up so okay i sign up yeah okay we pay our money and it's sponsored by this group called von der vogel it's a bicycle team out of uh, northern california and they did all the preparation for it and it was held the second week in october every year So I'm not going. I'm not going on this thing. We still act like we're going. We organize a training ride from San Luis Obispo to LAX. That's the same route that this ride would take on its second day. So we drive up Friday night. I guess maybe there are 12 of us. We get a motel and actually my mom and dad went and my ex-wife Maria and my daughter Liana and they drove Ross and me up there. They thought it'd be pretty much fun to see us ride over 200 miles in a day on a bike. So we have a dinner. We eat lots of pasta and some salad. We go to bed early. Next morning, we're all up at 4.30. Oh, we are we can do this. We're going to leave at 5 o'clock. So I tell you, it's dark. We got lights on the first 30 miles. Man, they're fun. We felt pretty good. We feel good the next 30 miles. And we're riding pretty hard. We're taking regular breaks. We're eating lots of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and bananas. The favorite food of cyclists. About 8 p.m. we rolled into LAX. Parking lot B. Man, we're beat. We've, I've never enjoyed seeing LAX airport more. Never. But I'm still certain I'm not going to do that Land Rush ride. It was two weeks away and that was too hard for me. Because I was dead. So, the week of the event, I have to fly to New York for a big meeting. It's three and a half days and in New York. Very stressful, very hard, no good times. And uh, I don't get a flight back to LA until Friday uh, out of LaGuardia. I leave maybe at noon. So, I'm back mid afternoon. I'm thinking, okay, this gives me a great reason not to ride what I say to myself I get into LAX I get to D plane and guess who's there Ross Freed my pal he says hey Ernest you're not going to miss out on this ride come on we got time to pick up your bike and gear and get back for the six o'clock flight to San Francisco oh my god where did you come from so I can't say no we get my stuff we get back to LAX we meet our buddies and Fabio, and we catch a flight to San Francisco, and uh, we're booked at a hotel in Redwood City, not far from the airport, that's where we're going to start the next day, so we grab some dinner, we make sure our bikes are in order, and we hit the sack early, next morning 4 30, we're ready to go, now this is, as I said, it's a club called, uh, Von der Vogel that put this thing on, organized everything, so they had some breakfast set up, We're eating oatmeal and carbohydrates and some hard-boiled eggs. and and None of us knows how hard this thing is going to be. There's no way you can imagine it. So uh, the start was special. It's completely dark. We had lights on our bikes. You know, you have these big uh, bicycle batteries. They're heavy, dudes. Lights. They're as bright as a light on a car. And there are about 50 of us start this ride And it's a cool morning, middle of October. And it's on roads that are fairly empty. And we're all riding together, lights on. Man, it's pretty slick. Nearly deserted roads. We have a pace line. We're riding. One person pulls, pulls out. The other ones follow. But it gets longer and longer and harder and harder. And then we start climbing and descending. And we're on minor roads and... Crappy Roads and San Luis Obispo seem further and further away for us. Now, there are three people in this story who played a role in my life of one way or another. They helped me get to a certain crossroads and sometimes helped me make decisions. Now, one of those was Ross Freed. You heard about him, and you'll hear more about him later. The other is a man named Ernie Vio. He was my dad's best friend. And he was my good friend too. And we'll be hearing a lot about him later. And he happened to have a house on the coast in a small city called Morro Bay. And he heard I was coming on this ride and he says, Ernie, we're going to ride over and meet you. And he, I sort of get made a guess about what time we'd be by there. And he drives over to a Tascadero, and he waits with his wife on the side of the road. And it's getting dark by the time we hit atascadero and uh, i'm looking for him and i spot ernie and his wife my buddies say hey we'll just take a break say hello to your pal man no problem so i say hello to ernie and myra and they're pretty impressed and they say man man you made a long way it's about 190 miles right i say, yeah and uh so off we go again i say goodbye And we're struggling for the last 25 miles on this terrifying descent called La Cuesta Grade. Man, trucks are flying by us. It's on 101. And you'll hear more stories of Vio, as my dad used to call him, because uh, he was a big part of my life until he died two years ago at the ripe old age of 102. It was pitch dark by the time we get to San Luis Obispo, and we got to our hotel. Our hotel, and man, we had to force ourselves to have a shower 16 hours on the road. Most of them on the bike, almost all of them on the bike. And we uh, walked to a Mexican restaurant, and there wasn't a lot of conversation at dinner time. One point I look over at Ross next to me, and man, he slipped off to sleep. His head is on the table. It's almost in his pile of refried beans. I don't remember getting back to my room or falling asleep or... Or the alarm going off. I do remember someone banging on my door. So we meet again at 4.30. Down in this small hotel dining room. And we're forcing down bowls of this oatmeal. It's like glue. And hard boiled eggs. And thinking about our day. And trying not to think about it. The second day, man, it was more of the same. We had lots of evil thoughts about Fabio Parra who'd gotten us into this mess. We felt even more strongly of murder when Fabio, hey, he jumps into the back of the support truck, pulls his bike up, says, I'm done. Oh, man, we were going to kill him. This was before we even hit Santa Barbara, he's done. And he rides the truck the rest of the way down into L.A. My right knee was shot. My shoulders felt like someone was doing acupuncture with knives. We finally hit that parking lot B at LAX around 8 p.m. No slaps on the back, no cheers, no hearty, congratulations, way to go, buddy. We stagger back to our cars, load up our stuff, and get home to bed. I need to tell you now about the third key person in this story. He was a kid, about 20 years old, by the name of Larry Rubin. Good-looking guy. Could have been in the movies. He started riding with our group about the same time I did. But he was so much stronger. Had great endurance. Great bike handling skills. He was a natural at this. And he rode that death march of a California land rush with us. He didn't suffer anywhere close to what we did, though. Now, his father had immigrated to the States from South Africa. And he was in the construction business. And he was a brilliant businessman. Started his own company and made a small fortune. Now, Larry loved riding his bike. And he loved to surf. And he loved about everything. And he had no aspirations about, real, about doing anything. He just loved doing it. But his father did have dreams. And they involved his son. He saw his son as an Olympic athlete, a cyclist. And he was going to help him get there. And he was going to push him there. So this father heard of a trainer in Italy. He ran a training camp for young cyclists who wanted to become professionals. So he'd train them hard during the week and then enter them into amateur races on the weekends where they could get experience and hopefully results. And this coach's name was Renato. So Larry rode with us for the next few weeks after we finished this big ride. We trained harder. We rode in century rides. And we even started our own amateur racing team, Team Nissan. It was financed by the company that Ross worked for. He got us the funding for it. So it was sometime a few weeks into the fall and Larry said to us, we're sitting down after a ride having a cup of coffee. And Larry says to us, I'm going to Italy. What? Yeah, I'm going to some place near the Dolomite Mountains. There's some cycling academy, some Italian man. He's going to train me to race. And my dad insists that I do this. He wants me to get into the Olympics. Uh, He says this guy will train me. So I'll be so good I can get on the South African cycling team. And I can race in Barcelona in 1992. Man, when are you leaving? I'm going this week. I'm out of here, guys. How long will you be gone? Uh, My dad says six months. Don't worry. I'll keep in touch. We'll see each other again. So he's gone. And we're kind of sad. We miss him. And we don't hear from him. We We don't get a letter. Not even a postcard. We lose track of this guy. But he does come into my life again not too far down the road. But I have to make you wait for that story as we've run out of time this week. So did my story about some of my old friends make you think of any of your old friends whom you haven't seen in a while? Maybe you'd like to write them a card, stay in touch, but you just can't seem to get to it? Well, I have an idea. Go to Anashira.com and send them a couple bars of soap. If only just to say... I'm thinking of you and I miss you. You'll enjoy it and they'll love it. I guarantee it. Don't forget to use discount code STORIES15. STORIES15 for your 15% discount. Join me next week and I'll tell you why Larry Rubin was so important to me in my next Story from Anashira.